You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Moments like what we witnessed Saturday night at the Peterson Event Center are what make college basketball special. Players like Blake Hinson are what make teams special, especially in February and March. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever time you're listening and whenever and wherever you are listening, You are listening to the H2P podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports. My name is Corey Crisson. No Gary Morgan this week. It is currently about 945 Eastern on Saturday, February 17th, 2024. Don't want to bother Gary this late at night. After Pitt dominates Louisville 86-59 at the Peterson Events Center. And moreover... After Blake Hinson puts together a performance to remember. 41 points, 14 of 24 from the field, 9 of 13 from 3, 4 of 5 from the free throw line. That's how the box score will read. His 41 points are the most since Jason Maley put up 40 for Pitt against Villanova in 1997. He finished four points from tying the program record by Don Hennon against Duke in 1957. He was two away from Jamel Artis, who put up 43 at Louisville in 2017. And he tied Hennon's marks from 1958, two of them at 41 points. It truly was a performance for the ages. The third highest scoring output tied for it in a single game in program history. And if not for a blowout, if not for a 27-point victory, if it was a closer game, they might have needed more from him. Hinson played substantial minutes. Don't get me wrong. In fact, in the second half here, 
He played only 14 minutes, but he played all 20 of the first half. So this is no Mickey Mouse 41-point game. He did this in truly tremendous fashion. And this is the genius of Blake Hinson. This is when Blake is at his best, he is unbeatable. And when Blake is at his best, Pitt is a dominant, scary college basketball team. The Panthers have won five in a row. They've won seven of eight. And now they face Wake Forest Tuesday. And that team is 13-0 at home. Pitt just beat Virginia on Tuesday. It snapped, what, a 23-game win streak at home for the Cavaliers. When Pitt is playing its best, they can beat anybody. And when Blake Hinson's at his best, as he was Saturday night at that 6.30 tip-off against Louisville, you can't guard him. You can't stop him. Kenny Payne said as much. He's just making them. And it's not like he took an insane amount of shots. It's not like he took 40 shots to get 41 points. 41 points on 24 shots. He made 9 of 13 threes. Ish Leggett had 10. Jalen Lowe had 10. Federico had 8. I thought this was one of Federico's better games. Louisville... I mean, just to, if we're going to handicap this at all, I don't want to, but Louisville's in a really dark place right now as a program. They're a whole nother story. Pitt's 4-0 against Louisville in the last two years, and that's a big thing. When you're in this league, when you're vying for tournament play, when you're vying for an at-large seed and, and of course, seeding in the ACC tournament, I think... Pitt can't get anything worse than eighth now, if my memory serves correctly, in the ACC tournament. But when you're playing for seeding in the ACCs and you're trying to get into the NCAA tournament again, beating the teams you're supposed to beat is a, is a requirement. This win was a requirement. Now, beating them by 27, that adds a little sugar into the pot, doesn't it? And now all of a sudden... When you look at the wins at Duke, at Virginia, you look at the fashions they've beaten some of these other ACC teams, Pitt's in the conversation. I'm not going to sit here on February 17th and declare Pitt an NCAA tournament team just yet. In my opinion, they're not there quite yet. But they're getting there. They're in position to be in position, so to speak. When you look at the remainder of the 2023-2024 Pitt basketball schedule. At Wake Forest Tuesday, that's a 9 o'clock tip at Winston-Salem. Virginia Tech at home in one week. At Clemson, at Boston College. Florida State at home, NC State at home. To close out the month of March. Or rather, to close out the regular season in the month of March. I mean, Clemson's probably the toughest one there. NC State is, I think, a better team than people give credit for. And Pitt did not play Virginia Tech well last year down in Blacksburg. But Wake Forest is beatable. Virginia Tech's beatable. Clemson's beatable. Boston College is beatable. 
Florida State, certainly beatable. NC State, certainly beatable. There's no North Carolina or Virginia or Duke or any of those top three teams in the ACC still on the schedule. And now you have to feel pretty decent about Pitt's road to close the regular season. Now, I think when you look at the tournament resume, and we could sit here and delve into the net and delve into Ken Palm and delve into all of the analytics in the world. That's my computer dings there. If you heard that, sorry. If not, carry on. If we sit here and delve into the net and the Ken Palm and look at, well, this bracketologist thinks Pitt is one of the last four out, or this bracketologist thinks Pitt is a play-in team, or this bracketologist doesn't even have Pitt in the conversation, and here's Team X's net, and here's Team X's Ken Palm, and here's Team Y's net, and here's Team Y's Ken Palm, we'll be sitting here until the calendar turns to March. We'll be blue in the face by the time we're done with that conversation. The thing that worries me about Pitt's prospects of getting into the NCAA tournament is their at-large schedule. Is their non-conference schedule? Is the schedule they played and lost largely in the beginning of the season? When you look at the mid-majors they beat to start the season, okay, yeah, whatever, that happens. Those are by games that happens in college basketball. But the way they lost to Florida, way they played against Missouri, yeah, they beat Oregon State, cool, I guess. Like, it's not that impressive is what I'm getting at. And now... If they can rattle off some of these wins in the late season, if they can rattle off more than this five in a row and seven of eight, they put themselves in the conversation. And that's all you need to be. You know, last year, think about it on Selection Sunday. You probably thought, yeah, Pitt should be an NCAA tournament team by virtue of the way they play in the ACC. They were the number one seed until the last day of the regular season. They won a game in the ACC tournament, and it was like, when you look at their resume stacked with some other resumes, you, you count the wins over North Carolina, plural. You count the win over Virginia. You count the win over Miami. When you look at that resume from last year, you feel really good about that resume, even though they lost to Michigan by 30. But now, I don't see them on that same platform because of the rest of the elevation of the ACC. It's going to be close, and there's still quite a bit of basketball to play. But at minimum, at minimum, Pitt put themselves, as we would say, in position to be in position. Credit to John Rothstein for that. Let's take our first and only break here on the H2P podcast. Let's come back and talk more about the genius that is Blake Henson. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, second and final segment here on an abridged version of this week's H2P podcast. February 17th, 2024. Corey Christen with you. No Gary Morgan this week. It's currently about 10 o'clock Eastern p.m. Don't want to bother Gary this late at night on a Saturday, especially. To recap, a 86-59 to pit victory over Louisville at the Peterson Events Center. In a historic one at that, Blake Henson, 41 points on 14 of 24 shooting, 9 of 13 from three, four or five free throws. It is tied for the third highest scoring output in a single game in pit program history. Just four points from tying the record set by Don Hennon in 1957. The highest scoring total since 1997. What a day. What an evening. It's so special. Anytime something like this happens. And to me, the facts of this achievement, if you will, are so great. And I just love diving into all of these little points about Blake Henson's historic night. And by the way, he achieved a thousand points in the process of scoring his 41 against Louisville. He reached that in 61 games. That's the fourth fastest player in school history to reach a thousand points. He's the only pit player ever to have two seasons of 90 plus three pointers made. He's did that. He did that last year and this year, his 27 points in the first half is tied for the fourth most points scored by a pit player in a half in program history. Artists had that. In the, in the 43-point outing against Louisville. In 2017, he had 32 in that half. Also, the individual high for an ACC player this season was 36 points. And Blake shot over that big time. And again, as I mentioned briefly in the first segment, this is the genius of Blake Henson. This is what Pitt can be when Blake Henson is at his best. Now, we can sit here and say 41 points, historic outing, amazing, and that's all correct. That's all true. But we can also sit here and remind ourselves and just take a step back and realize that if Pitt doesn't get this kind of production from Blake Henson, they have to get it from somewhere else. And I don't want to curtail this or put a, put a damp rag over the entire thing or anything like that. What I'm trying to get at here is this. When it comes to tournament time, when it comes to the ACC tournament in one month's time, less than one month's time now, actually, Pitt is going to have to find some secondary scoring. Pitt is going to have to have 
that come from somewhere else. It can't all be Blake Hinson. However, Blake Hinson needs to be the driving force for any kind of run Pitt is going to go on, whether that's within the ACC tournament, the NCAA tournament, the NIT, whatever it may be. It needs to be driven by Blake Hinson. And that can come in a positive or a negative light. This is the positive. When Blake Hinson shoots 14 of 24 from the field, 9 of 13 from 3. If you want to peel that back just a little bit, 5 of 9 from inside, excuse me, 5 of 11 from inside the three-point arc, he actually took 11 shots inside the three-point arc. He was being somewhat aggressive with the basketball. And then, of course, when you make 9 of 13 threes, couple from the logo, you can't stop that. And Kenny Payne, Louisville's coach, even said so much. But how does this kind of production, how does this kind of flow engineered by Blake Hinson translate into the ACC tournament? How does this translate into the postseason? Because now what this is about for Pitt is building off of this. Yes, there's energy to build off of when it comes to winning as many games as they've won in a row, which right now is five. When they've won seven out of eight and you get a performance like this, there's a lot to build off of here. And if Blake Hinson can get going, I'm not asking him to put up 41 points a night, but if he could get going here in this final few weeks of the regular season and Pitt can win, win out, can they win out? They have a bunch of winnable games coming up. We diagnosed that in the first segment. Can they win out? Do they lose only one of those remaining games? Do they lose two? What can Pitt do realistically to increase their odds of making the NCAA tournament? How many games does Pitt need to win in the ACC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament? Do they need to beat UNC in the ACC tournament? Do they need to beat Duke again? Do they need to beat Virginia again? What does Pitt need to do to get into the ACC tournament? Pardon me, to get into the NCAA tournament. All of those questions, the answer starts with Blake Henson. He is the answer to what Pitt does and the success and the lifeblood of this program. Remember Gary Morgan and I talked about in shows past, probably a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago by this point, about how Blake's inside game really hasn't developed. I still think part of that is true. But on this night where he was feeling it from outside, 9 of 13, he still took tw- he still took 11 opportunities inside the three-point arc. That's second behind only Jalen Lowe for total field goal attempts. If he would have just shot the ball from inside, he would have been second on the team in field goal attempts. So Blake was not only confident in making his shots, but he was also aggressive. 11 shots from inside the three-point arc, 13 from out. That is incredibly good balance. Incredibly good balance. And he made more than half of his opportunities from the field. If Blake Hinson can become the player that we all know he can be, and he can be all ACC, dare I say, and this might be a reach, dare I say, All-American, when he's at his best. If Blake can do this in the final stretch run of the season, 
sky's the limit. They can get back into the NCAA tournament. They can win a couple of games in the ACC tournament, get to maybe the semifinal or the final. They can, period. I don't think anybody's questioning that if Blake Hinson is on the top of his game, and he was on Saturday. Thank you for listening to this episode of the H2P Podcast. A reminder, you can find us where all podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. Check Gary Morgan and I out live pretty much bi-weekly by this point on YouTube. Uh, you can check out podcast replays on there as well. Uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports on Pitt on YouTube. And please like and share and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. That all goes a very long way. So my name is Corey Christen. This has been the H2P Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, everybody.